0: Well, today we finish our series that uh, we've entitled, What's Your One Step? And uh, let me just help you a review of those of you who are new today. You will kind of be able to catch up. Uh, Here's how we have defined the E word. Okay, we're all kind of scared of the E world, evangelism. But here's how we've defined evangelism, because when you understand it biblically, it's more accessible and more easily attainable. So here's what evangelism is evangelism is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and others to bring one person one step closer to Christ. Let me say that again. Evangelism is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and others to bring one person one step closer to Christ. In other words, how do we, 21st century, modern day Christ followers... Cooperate with the Holy Spirit, who's already at work in the world, we know that, to reach one more person for Jesus. Now, uh, we've been passing these cards out each week. I hope you've kept yours. I want you to just draw your attention to the last section, where it says share. It says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly... Make known the mystery of the gospel from Ephesians chapter six, verse nine. And then it has spaces there where you can write down the names of people that God has put on your heart uh, that you want to share your faith with. You say, OK, that's scary to actually open your mouth and say words that, about Jesus. Right. I know that's kind of scary. But today we're going to give you, I believe, a technique. And it's not just a technique. It's the way Jesus did it. Uh, we're going to give you a technique to make it easy for you to share your faith. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, How do we share our faith? How do we effectively share the love of Jesus that we've experienced, that we've been lavished upon with his grace? How do we effectively share that faith? Now, today is special for me in a couple of ways. One is um, uh, it's beginning of football season. Now, some of you kind of groan at that, but I rejoice in that. Uh, I, I believe that football is one of those great things. And at least in my life, it's always been. And I love it. OK, but here's the deal. I don't love it nearly as much as I love sharing my faith in Jesus. OK, so I thought, now, how do I combine football and evangelism? Well, there's only one way I know how to do that. And it's called the evangelism linebacker. Let's take a look. I don't know what be the linebacker. What put your you the You see, as a fish was created to swim, the water as a bird, was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. <laughs> <laughs> the mind linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing Alright, I'll tell you this has to your anyway. I'm not ready then. Well we should be down ready. What's up, baby girl? Nah, i <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. Okay, are you guys ready for game day? Okay, it's going to happen. I love that because I—I that's exactly. By the way, that's a joke. You're not supposed to do that. Okay, you're really not supposed to do that. Now, it's not a very effective way to share your faith. So, so what is? Are people interested in hearing about Jesus? One of the things that we talk about when it comes to evangelism is, well, do people even care? Do they want to hear about evangelism? Well, let me share with you some facts, and these come from Thomas Rayner in his book entitled The Unchurched Next Door. Okay, The Unchurched Next Door. 82% of unchurched people are likely to attend church if asked. 82%. Eight out of ten people that you know that don't go to church Are likely to attend church with you if you ask them. Most unchurched would welcome a relationship with a believer. Did you know that? Less than 10% of unchurched have ever had anyone share their faith with them. Less than 10%. Most unchurched people believe in heaven, 79%, and believe in hell, 70%. Most unchurched would rather uh, talk to a layperson than a minister. Okay, so we're off the hook, Brandon. It's all the rest of you. Y- y'all, as my son says. Okay, it's all y'all. And, and most unchurched wonder why Christian neighbors never invite them to church. Did you realize that your neighbors, most of them, they don't. They wonder, now if this is so important, you, why do you never invite me to church? And the last one is this. Most unchurched people value spirituality in a, at a very high level. So it seems the problem is not kind of out there, (laughs) the problem kind of might be in here. (laughs) But we're not really quite sure what we should do or how we should do it. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Now, the most unanimously, we know this from surveys done for 50 years. Unanimously, we know why people are turned off to Christianity. And it's the H word. And the H word is... Oh, that was really profound. Okay. The H word is hypocrisy. That's right. It's, a, it's something that just drives people crazy and it should drive you crazy as well. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, a woman in our church asked me to go and visit, visit her elderly father. And, um, and so I did that. And we had a wonderful visit. Pastor Brandon had visited him as well. And uh, throughout our conversation, we started talking about church and faith. And he told me, That he grew up in a church and then when his family was young, they went to church. But after a while, he, he was a farmer. And after a while, he realized that these people that he knew in business and the bank and other farmers and like that, that they would come to church on Sunday and say one thing and then live completely differently the rest of the week. He said, I've stopped going to church. I stopped taking my family to church. Hypocrisy kills. You know what most people think? That we are, they think that we are uptight, narrow, rigid, boring, no fun. They believe we're exclusive, self-righteous, simpletons. If that doesn't hurt you, it sure hurts me. I mean, I feel like I've just been hit by the evangelism linebacker. How do we stop the bleeding? How do we reverse the trend? How do we make it so the world recognize Jesus in us? Because God's heart beats for pointing people to Christ. We are, as we've said these last weeks, we are plan A. God doesn't have a plan B. The Church of Jesus Christ making disciples, sharing the good news, is plan A. And we are it. Now, here's my dream. And I know it's a lofty dream, but please hear me. My dream is this. That people in Chandler... And Metro Phoenix, people that we know that are far from God will begin to say things like this. You know, I know uh, this guy at work, and he's a Christ follower. And I have never known anyone with as much integrity and honesty as that man. Or, you know, there's this woman that I've met at school. She's another teacher. She teaches with me. And she's a single mom, and I've never met anybody with the level of moral courage and compassion and kindness that this woman has. And somebody else might say, you know, I go, I go to school with this kid who says he's a Christ follower, and when I look at his life, I see love and truth. I see someone who cares deeply about the poor, someone who is humble. Someone else might say, you know, when I look at this person I know, and that person says they go to church and they're Christian, and when I see that person, I recognize that that person is radically inclusive of all people. Radically inclusive of people that believe differently and think differently, act differently and look differently. And they seem to love every person regardless of religion or sexual orientation or color of skin or anything else. Or I see that person that that, seems, that says they're a Christ follower and the way that they live their life is so compelling and so magnetic that I just want to know who they are. That's my dream. That is what I dream. I dream that people will want what we have. They'll peer into your life. They'll peer into your school. They'll peer into your job. They'll peer into this church and say, I don't know everything about Jesus, but this I do know. Those people... Their marriages, the way they work, the way they do life, I want that. That's my dream. Today, I want to share with you Jesus' strategy for reaching one more person for Jesus. Now, this is only one method of sharing your faith, but I believe it is the Christ method of sharing your faith. There's other ways, certainly. But here's what I want you all to realize today, and I hope that you see this from my heart, that this is accessible to you. Here it is, and it's called the power of story. The power of story. All through the Old Testament and the New Testament, stories are the primary way that God's truth was communicated. In fact, one person has said that history is really just His story. Now, some of you might say, well... Pastor Dwayne, I, I, I could have stayed home today because I, on my list I wrote people I'm going to pray for and people I'm going to love because we are called to love and we ask the question of ourselves, what does love require of me? That's what every one of us has been asking these weeks. What does love require of me? So I've done that. But this part here, I can't, uh, my personality is not like that. I can't, I can't tell people about Jesus. Well, l- let me say it this way. Um, if you were called by a judge, to come and be a witness on the stand. And the judge would say to you, okay, now I would love you to tell me what you saw, what you did, and what you experienced trying to get to the truth. So please bear witness to the jury and to the court what you saw, what you witnessed, and what you did. If you were to say to the judge, well, judge, I'm not going to do that. Just just look at my life. Just look at the way I live my life. And the judge says, No, I don't want to look at your life. I want to hear your words. I want to hear you tell me what matters in your life and what you saw and what you experienced because that's what we need to hear. What did you experience? What did you hear? What did you do? Some people, and I know we're all kind of scared about this stuff, many Christians say, well, I'm just going to live my life for Jesus and people will see that. Well, the thing is, what you're doing when you do that is you're bearing witness to your life. Not Christ's life. That's why we need to put the two together. How you live your life and what you say, that's called integrity. Okay? And that's what we are called to do as Christ's followers. So let me share two primary ways, words, to be used to give life and to give life to those who are far from God. Remember what the book of Proverbs says? The book of Proverbs says that out of our mouth comes either words that give life or words that kill. Words that uplift or words that push down. And we are supposed to give words that are words of life. So two primary ways words can be used to give life. Here's the first one. The first was, how do we talk about God? How we talk about God explaining who He is and what He has done? And the second way is, how are we to talk about our personal experiences with God? What He has done in our lives. So in other words, what is God's story? And what is your story? And how can you effectively communicate God's story and your story? That's the Christ way of doing evangelism. That's a Christ way of being a witness for Jesus Christ. What is God's story? And what is your story? So that when you share that and you do that in a way that's well done and, and, and easily done and easily communicated so that when somebody walks away from you, they're thinking, you know what? I want to hear more about that. I want to hear more about Jesus. So here's the first step. And you might want to take some notes on your, uh, on your notes today because I'll draw you a couple of pictures. The first thing is this. God has a story. Learn to tell it well. God has a story. Learn to tell it well. So let's say, uh, let me give you a scenario. So let's say somebody you know, a friend of yours is named Jim. And uh, Jim comes to you and says to you, you know what? I, I want to tell you that um, I want to thank you for not pushing this God thing on me. I know how important God is in your life. You've told me that. And I want to thank you for not pushing that and not judging me, but just kind of loving me. I, I, but right now, my wife and I are in serious trouble. We, we feel like we're going to probably get a divorce. We, not only that, our finances are upside down. We are in real bad shape. Uh, In fact, all kinds of things going on in our lives are not working. And we're so desperate that we're thinking about maybe trying counseling. We're even thinking about maybe trying church. So could you tell me, please, could you tell me what difference does God make in a person's life? Because quite honestly, uh, I've never tried this and I'm kind of afraid to try it. But my life is such a mess that I just need to try something. What difference does Christ make in my life, in your life? That's what we would call a wide open door, right? When somebody says something like that to you. So here's your, you. take a piece of paper, a napkin, and you take that and you just draw a little drawing. OK, let's put that drawing up there. And so uh, on the one side is people. And then there's this big gulf, this gap in between. And the other side is God. And you use this little diagram that everybody, every one of you. In fact, you've already memorized it. You've seen it. You've already memorized it. Use this diagram to share God's story in a simple way. it's just one way. I'm just giving you an example of what you can do. Some of you already have ways of doing this. But when somebody is open to receive the good news and you are prepared to tell God's story. Right? So here you have people and they're separated from God. And there's this big divide, this chasm, this division. And that division we all recognize, all human beings recognize it, that we're not as holy as God. We have this Thing That's a problem for us. It's called sin. And whether it's a lie or cheating or stealing or broken, whatever it is, we have this and there's this gap between us and God. It's called sin. And no human effort can ever bridge that gap. It is just not possible to bridge that. But God provided a way. He said in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him, Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can memorize that one verse, John three sixteen. And you should God made a way, God was so in love with you, and he hates the fact that there's this big gap between us and him. And by the way, men and women have always tried to bridge that gap. They've always tried to find God by religion, and religion has never worked. And it's not working in this world today, right? Been somehow trying to find God. But God provided a way. And the distance between God and man is infinite. And yet God provided a way. And His way was Jesus Christ. And then you show this next little thing. And you just draw a little cross right in there. And that's God's provision. And then maybe you share a verse or you read the verse or you memorize this verse. John five twenty four. It says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God, who sent me, have eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? They just have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed from death to life. It's just one of the greatest verses in the Bible. So you memorize that, or you put it on a piece of paper or something, or you write it up and and you share with them. And then you tell them, Christ came to be our bridge. Christ took the hand of the Father in heaven and He takes your hand and He connects the two of you to God. And He does that by giving you forgiveness of your sins and a, and a purpose for living and an excitement about life and a, and a cleansed spirit and a cleansed heart. And it's so amazing when God bridges that gap through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He told, tell this person that even you can experience this. You can pass from death unto life. Because you're cooperating with the Holy Spirit and others to share this love with this person. You respect them. You never force or coerce anything, but you simply respect them. Know God's story. Now, we have some things in our church office that we'd love to share with you. Um, Steps to Peace with God. You can carry that around in your your pocket or your purse. Uh, What Jim and Cheryl Blackburn uh, do with Turnkey Ministries. Uh, What does the Bible say? And on the back of that, it has Hope Covenant Church, our information. And it's a very simple plan of the gospel. But you need to be prepared to know how to tell in a very simple way God's story. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to be a teacher. You just need to be so excited about what Christ has done for you. You are willing to tell God's story. Now, here's the words that should characterize you telling God's story. Humble, gentle, healing, wise, grace-filled, non-judgmental, compassionate. Now, now why do you do this? Now, we did the motivation a couple of weeks ago on why we, we, we want people to come to Christ. But let me just remind you our motivation for this. There are 7 billion people on this planet. About 6 billion of them are not Christ followers. And those of us who are Christ followers, we believe the truth of what Jesus said when he said, I am the way, not a way, the way, the truth, and the life. No man or woman comes to the Father except through me. We believe that God has provided a way to reach every person on this planet with Jesus Christ. That's why we're called to make disciples. We believe God has called us to do that. And if you have a heart for God, then you have a heart for lost people. You have compassion. If you have the cure for cancer or heart disease and you see somebody dying, you're not going to stand around and just kind of look. You're going to do everything in your power to take what you know and give it to that person so that they can live. How much more the gospel of Jesus Christ? How much more your relatives, your co-workers, your schoolmates, the people you know and you love and you work with that don't know Christ? What a motivation. I'll do everything in my power To reach my friend for Jesus. And part of that is knowing God's story. And being able to communicate it. Knowing God's story. So that's step one. Know God's story. And tell it. And not just tell it, but tell it well. Memorize this. This is really simple. This is simple step. All of you can do this. And memorize it. Memorize one or two verses. And you're ready to tell God's story. So here's the second part. You have a story. Learn to tell it well. God has a story. Learn to tell it well. You have a story, learn to tell it well. Every one of you has a story. I've heard some of you say, well, you know, I became a Christian when I was just a little child and so my life is kind of boring and everything. Well, that's a story in itself, you know, because some of you are boring. And you can say, boring people need Jesus too. And so, but all kinds of things. So you have a story, a powerful story, tell it and tell it well. You've passed from death to life. I mean, if you say nothing else, you know, there was once when I was in death and bondage, and now I'm not. That's a story. So um, this last Wednesday, uh, is, is Donna? Donna's out there. We were at, uh, several of us in church were at Donna, Donna's son, Trey's, um, memorial service at Mission Community Church. And um, one of the first person that got up and shared a eulogy was a friend of Trey's. You remember this, Donna? And he shared a beautiful story about how much Trey loved Jesus. And Trey was always telling the story, right? Always telling the story of Jesus. And I was telling about his experience with Jesus. And it was just very moving to hear that. And it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to see it. And then his friend who was doing the eulogy said, I want everybody in this church that has heard Trey share his faith about his story, about his love for Jesus. I want you to stand up. There must have been 200 people that stood up in there. Can you imagine your funeral, your memorial service. How many people has heard, have heard you share your story of what Christ means to you? I know it's scary. I keep saying that because some of you are so convinced it's scary that you won't do something about it. But this is accessible. This is within reach. This is something you can do. You can tell your story. Regardless of how old you were when you came to faith. You can tell your story of how you were different before Christ, And after Christ, after Christ invaded your world and beautifully wrecked it with things like grace and mercy and love. Take the guy from Luke 5 who had once had leprosy. You know, some of you know the story in the message version. uh, The text says, quote, one day in one of the villages, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him in prayer and said, if you want to, you can cleanse me. Jesus put out his hand, touched him, and said, I want to be clean. And then and there, the guy's skin was smooth, and the leprosy was gone. Can you imagine what that experience must have been like for that man? What do you think he told every single person he met from that point forward? I was a leper, but I met this guy named Jesus. And now I'm healed. I'm completely healed. Look at my skin. I mean, his self-talk was probably incredible. This is unbelievable. Just moments ago, my skin was so angry that it literally was erupting. But now look at it. It's clean. It's smooth. It's healed. Everything about me was rotting and moldy and diseased. But now I've been recreated. It's as if I were never sick. This is so unreal, he would say to his friends. Absolutely unreal. Absolutely unreal. Where my hopelessness go, it's gone forever. Where's my helplessness? It's gone. They vanished with my sores. They're not here anymore. Jesus fixed all of that. I have hope. I want to live. I finally feel whole. You have a story as well. Now, when I was writing this part of my sermon, I was thinking, both services, I was thinking of specific people in our church that come to the first service and the second service when I wrote this list. So, this list is you. Pastor, I was sick, but now I'm well. My marriage was broken, but now it's whole. I was an outcast, but now I've been accepted, not only by Jesus, but by the church of Jesus Christ. I was defiled, I was soiled, I was promiscuous, but now I've been made clean. I was hopeless, now I have a future. I was guilty, but now I've been set free. I was fearful, but now I'm confident. I was despairing, but now I am hopeful. You know who you are. You have a story. We're not talking about getting in an argument or trying to persuade anybody. We simply share our story. Now, some of you might say, well, Dwayne, I'm not sure I have a story. Well, yes, you do. In fact, most of us have many stories. In fact, you know, over the years, um, I've kind of accumulated a number of stories that I have kind of in in my arsenal, in my pocket, if I come in front of somebody so... If I find somebody that was an engineer, I have a story about being an engineer and how that relates to Christ. And if I find it, somebody that you know, came to Christ, they raised in a Christian family, came to Christ as a teenager, that's my story. And so I share that story. Or if I find someone who's lost a child, like we lost Tyler, I share that story. Or someone who's struggled with addictions like I have, uh, addicted to gambling, I share that story. And I have all of these stories that are in me because they were me, and every one of them points to a God who loves and forgives and is gracious beyond belief. So you have more than one story. Say them well. Now, some pointers around that: don't overtell your story. Depending on how well you know the person, the less you know them, make your your story shorter. Have a 30 second version, what we call an elevator version. Have a 60 second version, a, a longer version, or a tome version if you know somebody really well. But don't overtell. Another point is this don't point to Jesus as the Redeemer. Don't point to yourself, or don't point to how good you are now. You point to the Redeemer. I was dead and now I'm alive. I was blind and now I see. I had leprosy and now I don't. I was lost in sin and now I'm saved. And you have a story to tell. In other words, don't be, also don't be fuzzy. Don't be fuzzy. Well, there's some kind of higher power somewhere in the cosmos that maybe likes me. Don't be fuzzy. You know, people don't want that. They don't relate. Well, I, now I go to church and my life has changed. Well, church doesn't change your life. Christ does. You know, make sure you're very specific. It's Jesus that did it. Don't use Christian language or Christian ease, you know. Insider words like eschatology and propitiation. You don't know what they mean. Don't expect somebody else knows what they mean either. Uh, Don't, you know, and most important, don't play the superiority card. Don't play the card that you you're better than somebody else. In fact, do just the opposite. Man, my life was a mess. It sounds like your life's a mess, but my life was really a mess. And and I'll tell you what happened to me. I gave my life to Jesus. I gave control of my life to God And let me tell you what's happened since then. And you point to Jesus always. And then the most important thing is you love, you love, you love, you love. You don't condemn. You don't judge. You love, you love. If they say that's enough, you walk away. You continue to love them, but you love them. So here's your assignment. Here's what I want you to do this week. Now, some of you in school were sitting in the front row, especially you girls, you know. Ooh, ooh, call on me. Right. So you guys will do this this afternoon, okay? And I love you. I love you. But I want all of you to do this assignment, okay? We're not going to grade you, but I want you to do this assignment. I want you to write out your story. 100 words or less, okay? It's not scary. Put it in an email. Send it to duane at hopechurchchandler.com or brandon at hopechurchchandler.com. I didn't ask him about that, but that's all right. Uh, or info at hopechurchchandler.com, and we'll get it to someone to review it, to look it over, give you some suggestions, help you build your story. Okay? Is that fair enough? That's your assignment. I want you to take this seriously. And I'll tell you what you're taking seriously for all of us. <laughs> There's six million, billion people that are lost and dying without Jesus, and some of them are in your neighborhood, and in your workplace, and in your home. And where you go to eat in places like that. Do your part. Make disciples. Do whatever you can. Know God's story well. Know your story well. And we want to help you with that. So you send us that email and we'll send you back with some some recommendations. Now, I probably don't have to say this, but again, no Beulah lands or sanctifieds or Ebenezer's in your statement, okay? No theological treatises of 18 pages, 100 words or less. But... This is something that you can do. Now, earlier in the message, I said I want you to hear my dream. Now I want I want you to imagine this. Here's my dream again. Imagine five hundred Christ followers from one medium sized church in Chandler, Arizona. Five hundred Christ followers who have prayed. They have prayed for people that they might come to Jesus. 500 Christ followers who have loved in such a way. In fact, they ask the question every day, uh, what does love require of me? In my home, at my workplace, at school, uh, when I'm playing softball, what does love require of me? And they've written down people they want to care for and they want to love well. Imagine with me 500 people who are prepared, even though a little scared, but they are prepared to tell God's story well. And they're prepared to tell their story well, because only they have their story. And they're just simply going to wait until God provides an opportunity to share that story. Imagine with me what would happen in our community if 500 Christ followers from Hope Covenant Church took this message, these last four messages, and they said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, not because it's an assignment, But because you recognize that there are people all around you who, if they were to die today, they would go to a Christless eternity. And I'll I'll be honest with you, I can't even stand the thought of that. I don't want to. This last week, I presided at Cindy's uh, memorial service. I'll do that at Mike's tonight. I went to Trey's service. I heard from my sister about my nephew's uh, memorial service. But here's the deal. I don't want to stand at a memorial service or a funeral or at a hole in the ground and wonder. I wonder if my friend or my loved one or my coworker, or my spouse or my child, I, w- I wonder if they knew Jesus. Did anyone ask? Did I ask? There's no guilt or condemnation here, friends. There's simply this. God calling you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and others to help one person take one step closer to Jesus. I want to close with this story. Um, This happened in Lakewood, Colorado, when we were serving that church from 1985 to 1990. And we had a woman in our church, one of the saints. She's now in heaven. Um, back then, when I was in my uh, late 30s and early 40s, I thought she was ancient, but she was like 70 years old. You know, now I'm said, I could do that. You know, Idris Frickle was her name, you know, and Idris uh, was this wonderful servant of God. And she had this husband who was not a believer that stayed home every Sunday and he watched football and did all those things. And she came to church and every Sunday. We'd have a uh, we'd have a time when you could ask for prayer requests and and she'd ask for her her husband, Reuben, his salvation. And we pray for Reuben. Then one day, Idris said, Pastor Duane, would you um, please come over and talk to Reuben about Jesus because he's getting older and I just don't know what's going to happen and I'm afraid that if he dies, he wouldn't have Jesus in his life. And I said, I'd be honored to do that, Idris. So I went over to meet with Reuben. We had a lot of things in common. He was a fisherman. I was a fisherman. He liked football. So we had lots of conversation. But then I was able to kind of steer the conversation towards spiritual things And I shared with him one of my stories and um, I told him what Christ meant to me and how that Christ had saved my life and how he would redeemed me. And um, I said, Ruben, have you ever thought about this? He said, oh, many times I've thought about Jesus many times. I've thought about my faith. I just never have kind of crossed the line. I said, well, why not? He said, well, nobody's ever asked me. Guy's 75 years old. Been married for fifty years the same woman. Nobody's ever asked me. I said, "Well, Reuben, would you like to pray now and receive Christ?" Of course I would. I'll be. This is a quote. He said, "You're damn tooting." Okay, <laughs> that's what Reuben said. He was ready. <laughs> he was ready. And so we prayed, and Reuben received Christ. And I'll always remember that because um, wouldn't that have been a tragic thing to know that there was somebody that was so close and nobody ever asked? Again, friends, this this is no guilt or condemnation, but God is just simply calling you to recognize that there are people all around you who are dying and lost without Jesus. What can you do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and others to help one person take one step closer to Jesus? The stakes are very high. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we thank you for... um, These weeks that we've been talking about sharing our faith and we come, Lord, to the end of this series. But, Lord, I pray that it's a beginning for most of us, a beginning to recognize that uh, our job and we've been given the same job since Jesus talked to the 120 on Mount of Olives 2000 years ago. Our job is to go and make disciples. And we're different personalities and we have different skill sets and we have different levels of faith and all of that. And we all recognize that. But one thing is very, very clear in your word, and it's this. Every one of us has a story to tell. And beyond that, even better, God has a story to tell. Lord, would you help us to have the courage to make those stories clear in our own hearts, in our own minds, so that we can do everything in our power with God as our helper, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and others to help one person take one step closer to Jesus. For we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.